We're talking expensive paper like we do every single week. Welcome, comic fam. Thanks for joining us today. How you guys doing? We're doing great. And not just expensive paper. We're going to talk about everything encompassing with movies, characters, uh, actors, some fun stuff on the show. Yeah, we actually got a packed show for you today. Rob Liefeld spoke about his famous, the infamous Captain America physique that he drew, right? It's a nice way to put it, yeah. Yeah, we're also talking about Jason Momoa getting stuck in an elevator. I don't know how I missed this story. But before we get into that, we got to tell you about our sponsor that makes all of this possible. This show wouldn't be here without Key Collector Comics, the best comic book app that exists on the market. If you're looking for an affordable way to support this show, subscribe to Key Collector Comics app. I mean, it's already going to pay for itself instantly because when you unlock those special features, because you already get a lot of cool stuff free, but that extra is going to put you over the top and give you that ability to do that comic hustle that's right specifically categories that get unlocked that have, of comic books that you need to know i'm talking about the category 35 cent variants there's a ton of books that go missed regularly by collectors and even the most seasoned of dealers one of my favorite categories that i'm regularly scrolling through is optioned indie titles this is going to enhance your collecting and put you in a position to make some money it'll pay for itself and if you want to try out a one-week subscription when you download it on the main page, you have the Comic Tom 101 icon. Click on that and put code Tom 101 in to get a free week subscription. Let's jump into the show. Jason Momoa, Aquaman, found his. <laughs> I mean, there's no fish, so he found his biggest weakness. Yes, it's an elevator. <laughs> what happened? So I'm not sure what happened, like why it stopped functioning, but we find Jason Momoa, Momoa on his IG feed or story of shots and him and a group of people stuck literally in an elevator. Hold up on the elevator. Oh, cannibalism, Yo. let's do it. Fire department, does anyone want to show up? Hey. Yeah, hey. that's what we're thinking. Get us out. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it looked like all they had were, were energy, energy drinks and like peanut M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, they're just passing peanut M&Ms around. And his friend like almost immediately starts talking about cannibalization and like, how they're gonna survive in this elevator. And it's just, it really, my mind immediately went to like a horror, like slash comedy movie, like about Jason Momoa and a bunch of his friends stuck in the hey, elevator. They did mention that Aquaman was supposed to be a horror movie and right? they tricked us all because it wasn't. No. Yeah, I mean, like, I used to manage Parma Comics and we had an elevator and every once in a while people would get stuck. What I mean, do you, you do? Well, you, you can reset the elevator. All right, and so sometimes when you reset it, it just goes back to bottom and goes back to functioning. Is it just like okay. a free fall? Yeah, <laughs> no. is it, a, it <laughs> no. should be. Uh, just for was, fun, you know. Yeah, it was a small apartment complex, so it wasn't like these big banks and elevators, but these guys were having a great time in an elevator when they're trapped. What would you do? Like if Jason Momoa's there, what would you talk about? You're like, all right, dude, that was a pretty good movie you were in. You yeah. talk about Game of Thrones or you talk about Aquaman or you talk about both because you're Neither, stuck in there? because he's probably sick of talking about both of those things. Well, how about HBO's new C's, right? I think you probably, you want to figure out which one of them has the most, like, meat in case it gets to that point. You know, you got to you gotta take out Jason Momoa Rations, first. man. It's like, Rations. stop with the M&Ms. Yeah. Save the energy drinks. Like, we, we, we could be here for years. We can outnumber them right now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was our chance. This is why it'd be the best movie. I think, I think that needs to happen. All right, Aquaman 2. We got our script. <laughs> Forget oh. Black Mana. Okay, it's about people in an elevator. We didn't even talk about how he tried to escape out of like the roof and like oh, have yeah. his actual <laughs> superhero like... moment. You know what I mean? Like, the you want to fucking, you know what I mean? He's trying to get out, man. You know, he's trying to be like diehard, but it just didn't work out. 
What a plan. We tried. Like, they like removed the roof and there's like nothing above them. It's like solid concrete. They had a good time though. Oh, they had a great time. Let's kick it to the comments. Comic fam, who do you want to be stuck in an elevator with? Any superhero, actress, or actor? All right, let's jump into the next subject of the show. We got DC that is bringing together the community again. They've done this a lot over the last few decades. What's going on? To tie in with the year of the villain storyline that they've been running all year over uh, in DC Comics, they are putting out like a kind of vote for the best villain. That's right. Contest? It's not really a contest. It's like a just an open poll, I guess. Right? Like there's gonna be some type of voting that takes place. Yeah, and this isn't the first time we've seen voting or uh, publishers reaching out to their readership for some decision. Yeah, we're gonna be able to pick who is the villain of the year. Lex Luthor's having a pretty awesome year right now. I'd, I'd say either him or maybe even Batman like Leviathan has oh, been really? pretty cool. Uh, Batman say, Who Laughs also is an option. That's my vote. That's my vote. There's that's a lot vote. of contenders. I'm actually kind of in- interested to see how this pans out. I think my pick for DC's greatest villain is going to be Marvel. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> I was going to say maybe their own film division, but, but no, they're, they're getting there. They're, they're making strides. Well, and we're going to be talking about their film division soon, so Ooh. stay tuned and hit the subscribe button. We make a lot of comic book content. DC is bringing the community together so we can help decide the number one villain of the year. And I'm stoked about this because DC has regularly brought the comic book community together to make influence happen on comic book storylines. So Jim Starlin was writing for Batman in the 80s, and um, he wasn't a big fan of Robin. Yeah, he really didn't like him. You know, and then you used to have Dick Grayson, and then you had Jason Todd, and he was the new kid on the block, not really around for very long. Denny O'Neill, the editor for DC, decided to put it to a vote on whether Robin should survive or die in an issue. This is for Batman Death in the Family series. Mineola covers, by the way. That's right. Okay, a guy can't draw shoulders to save his life. But, oh, we're going to get into that, too. Stay tuned, comic fam. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, but they decided that Robin will not survive. I right. mean, they put it to the readership through a customer service number. You had to call a number and be like, yay or nay. Kill yeah. him. Isn't that awesome? I vote for him to die. Imagine like, all these little kids calling, um, yeah, I think you should kill the character off. Yeah, it's kind of dark, <laughs> actually. Is. I haven't really thought about it too deeply. But yeah, all these people are voting for the death of him. And it worked. Like, they killed the guy. That's right, and that brings me to my favorite Marvel's attempt to get the community's involvement. I'm talking about the Marvel tryout book. So Jim Shooter, you know, famous for piloting and like really pushing the black costume. A year after that that happened for Spider-Man, he put out this comic book. It was an unfinished book that would encourage a number of writers, artists, letterers, and inkers to all try out for Marvel. And what I find intriguing is that just a short few years after when they announced the winners, a guy named Mark Bagley ended up winning the penciler column. What the hell's a Mark Bagley? Mark Bagley, man. Carnage. Ultimate Spider-Man. Man, he did so much at Marvel. And it was because of this. How awesome would it be to see more community involvement in comic books? They need to put one of these out right now. I kind of want to just like doodle in a, in a comic book. Do you remember what Donnie Cates told us when we met him? No. He, why don't you tell me? He said that he was just working at comic book shops and they kept getting closed down and he was out of work. And he went to school to write and he got picked up and he was surprised to see his stuff land so hard with the community. And now he's one of the top writers in the field. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating to see that it can, it can happen to anybody. All you need is that chance and opportunity and to put yourself out there. It also takes a really, really good idea. We have an image title, Undiscovered Country, getting option, and it's not even out yet. How cool is that, man? 
right? So the buzz around it is pretty big, obviously. And this production company, New Republic, which sounds like a boy band, but it isn't, is got this story. And I, I, like I said, it's not out yet, but this is the gist of it. Okay, the United States closed off its borders. All right, and in a 30-year time frame, there was some type of pandemic. And in search of a cure, they go to the U.S. and try to find that cure. And in doing so, we kind of have like this other image title, Manifest Destiny, with creatures and this, this new world of like monsters that have somehow appeared in Evolved. the United States. Right. It's and crazy. people are writing creatures. So it's, it's fascinating to see where they're going to go and how they're going to make this pop on TV or film. I pre-ordered it when I found out it was Scott Snyder. That's enough for me to get on board. Like the premise sounds awesome, but when you know you find out it's one of my favorite writers on board, then I'm all over it. Also, I looked up uh, New Republic Pictures, the studio that is behind this one, and they made uh, they were behind the recent Rocket Man, like the Elton John movie that just came out. They were uh, they put out uh, Black Swan with Natalie Portman a while ago, the uh, Black Mass with Johnny Depp playing Whitey Bulger. They've got some they got some interesting movies behind them. So this this could be kind of cool to see. I'm interested. I was at the retailer luncheon at San Diego Comic-Con when this was announced. I was standing in the back. I came in late. I'm getting my sandwich. I look to my left. I'm literally standing next to Scott Snyder. Shut up. About crap my pants. I did I not tried know to, this. Yeah, I tried to get a quick little story shot, and I, I barely got him in the screen. I had people DMing me, who was that? But yeah, he was right there. And I'm thinking, man, what's he doing here? That's crazy. So I'm standing in the back, and then they announced Image Comics, and they always have their publishers come up there and you know give their spiel about what's coming. And then they're like, all right, bring it up another writer that you're all going to know. And Scott Snyder comes on stage. And he talks about this issue, this comic book that he's putting together. And he, this is how he described it. It's like, just like you said, you know, the borders have been closed off for 30 years. No one's heard from America in decades. But what he said that really got all of us excited was, as a writer, sometimes you have a gold nugget idea, something that you just know is so good that it's going to pop. And he was telling that to the retailers because he wanted everybody to not just buy the book, but to get excited because he knew that there was more legs to this story. And then just months later, boom, optioned. Before it's even out. It's crazy. That's so weird. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm really, really excited for this comic. I have the ash can. I got both copies. I kept them. I was asked by like seven or eight people at the show from dealers and some friends that were there. They're like, yo, I'll give you 30 bucks for it. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. I'll give you 75 bucks for it. And I'm like, no, I got to keep this, man. I got to hold on to it. That book actually saw a decline to like 30, 40 bucks at one point. Option news, they're being listed for like two, 250. Oof. What? And I got to tell you, I read it. It's really good. Okay. Mm. Something else that's really good that I am just so stoked about 80 years of Batman. That's eight decades. That's almost a century. Yeah, you're right. Almost a century. Okay. And in 1939, Batman came out in Detective Comics 27. And 80 years later, he's going so freaking strong. They're going to be flashing this light across the globe. This is a big deal because they're going to be flashing the bat signal worldwide at these major cities. And this is going to happen on Saturday, September 21st. We have Tokyo, Australia, Berlin, Barcelona, London, Sao Paulo, New York, Montreal, and Mexico City before finally concluding in Los Angeles. So cool, man. Batman means so much to a lot of people. What does Batman mean to you, Ryan? Oh, man. Batman is kind of like... Kind of like my gateway into comics in a way. Right. Like, I came in through the movies, you know, and uh, Batman was the only real uh, movie or superhero movie that I was really in love with as a kid. So that was kind of, I went from the uh, from the movie to the uh, 
the graphic novels in college, actually. I didn't get into comics until way late. I remember the moment my dad handed me Dark Knight Returns. He's like, this is all you need. He just gave it to me. He's like, you need to read this. Just, I'm like, what, what is it? He's like, just read it. Batman and Superman fight at the end. Oh, who wins? Read it. That's all it took, man. And man, I went to bed in Robin pajamas like growing up. Like I had a cape and everything. And like Batman, it, it set me on that path to just enjoy superheroes and to get into such a cool community. I, I appreciate them. And I'm so stoked to see 80 years go by and to be enjoying them for decades to come. You did Robin? Oh yeah, I had a my brother and I dressed up as Batman and Robin, but I was I was Batman. Of course. Oh my gosh, I want to see some pictures of that. I hope you can put that in the edit if you can. There's photos. I'm sure I can find something. <laughs> oh my gosh, you and this guy is a huge Batman fan. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't have anyone introduce Batman to me. Like I didn't have a father figure to give me a Batman because I was the only one who was into comics in my whole family. So for me, it was more organically discovering it. So um, when I eventually did, though, I mean, I don't know. It was exciting to see a hero who didn't have superpowers and used his wits, really, and yet could beat up anybody and defeat anyone. Absolutely. And you also have some dope Batman keys, don't you? I do, I do. And we should dis- we'll should we discuss that at the later end of the show, that the, the cameras are off, and I can get into a cool book um, and uh, really give you a backstory on us pushing the market in 2015 on a really big book. Yeah, if you want to hear the guru talk about a Batman one, you got to stay tuned to the after show, which is the audio portion only available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Another anniversary. Oh, yes. We have the anniversary of the greatest jean commercial ever. (laughs) Yeah, Levi's commercial. 28 years this week. Rob Liefeld blessed us all blessed is a very good word for it who knows where we would be as a society if this commercial had never been put out in the world we wouldn't be wearing blue jeans my friend that's right this premiered prior to x-force number one so this is before his career really took off rob had just created the x-force in new mutants 100 and he applied to win a contest hosted by levi's and it was like a hey tell us what you do for work and we'll make a commercial and he applied and he won and to his surprise, when he got there to do this interview for the commercial, he was greeted by a very famous director. Yeah, Spike Lee was the one directing this commercial. And look, this is a young Rob Liefeld. All right, he started young. He's young. I mean, it's all really fast and new for him. Okay, so he comes in this scenario where he's trying on clothing. He's not an actor. Okay, he's a comic artist. Because of this anniversary, he actually went to his Facebook page and explained a little bit about what happened. I love that he did this. And he said upon entry, there's a couple women that were like giving him jeans to try on and they were complaining that he had no ass. <laughs> he's like, and I don't have an ass, but I was super embarrassed. I'm just going to go home. That's what I would do. Okay, I'm I'm turning around. I can't do this. What am I doing? You're right. I'm leaving. But he was struggling. He was struggling not just because of the pants, but he was struggling because Spike Lee wanted him to be a little bit more entertaining, right? That's intimidating as all hell. If you walk in there and there's a famous movie director in there talking to you, like when you're just some, you're not an actor, like Jeff said, you're just, you're just a guy and you've got like a famous director telling you what to do here. He ended up having to have like Rob just do a drawing he had rob draw a new character and it was a uh, spike man it's actually like he drew spike lee as a superhero with a camera on his head to film the wrongdoings of others and then he also had him do like the final line that levi's was you know trying to get people excited about which is the zipper on pants no not even a zipper a button fly so it's a little more complicated <laughs> the button okay? fly that's right but i i want to share a quick story here because i know how rob feels 
when I was in college, my sister knew somebody, and um, a Nintendo needed um, a hand model for a Game Boy and okay. a face to digitize on Game Boys. So I went in for this position through a hookup. All right. So the joke is in my family that I'm a hand model. Anyways, world's greatest hand model, like JP Pruitt. <laughs> You're JP Pruitt, the world's greatest hand model. It was so awkward being in front of a camera because I had to be animated and all I stood there and froze was just a big smile like this. And they wanted more and all I could do was smile. <laughs> With your hands? So they didn't use my face, but they used my hand. So allegedly, my, any, any picture holding a Game Boy supposedly is my hand. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was told. <laughs> that's interesting. I've never heard that story. I'm so glad you shared that. Yes. And something fun to round this whole thing out with Rob is that during the award ceremony, he was there at this ceremony for Deadpool 2. And he actually got a chance to see Spike Lee. And they had a little bit of like a, a one-on-one. He was able to be like, yo, thank you. You know, like, like, like look at where we are now. So yeah. I felt like because it came full circle, we had to bring it on camera today. And while we're on the Rob Liefeld conversation, I do have this Marvel Comics 1000 signed by Rob Liefeld, courtesy of Torpedo Comics. Thank you so much to Gabe, Steve, John. We do appreciate you over there. You're a great shop. Follow him on Instagram. We all do. And if you want to see some just really like that next level comic book store and how business is done, go follow Torpedo Comics on Instagram. I know we've brought up Rob a lot. Just just because he's been lately in more of the media of it. So just to touch on one other thing, is going to circle back on this little Twitter showdown that he had, which ended up with him having his infamous Captain America chesty busty pose, which he posted himself. Yeah, it's funny. Like This guy typically gets into these Twitter rants, and he argues with a lot of people, and it hasn't been good for him. You know, Typically, whenever I see him starting to go off on people, it's like, Rob, stop. Just doesn't stop. Look good. It doesn't look good. But he handled this thread very well. And the very first thing he said when people were giving him crap about his anatomy was, come on, just do it. Where's the cap picture? Just post it. Like he was agging them on. He's like, just post the picture. Google it. Just where is the picture? Like, don't, don't tweet it. Post the picture. And, and no one was doing it. So at the end, he actually acknowledged this piece of art that has been ridiculed for decades. Yeah, you know what he did here is in that, that scene in Eminem when he's just going one-on-one in that battle and he lays it all out, all his faults, all his things, so he can't get bagged on. This is exactly what Rob did. Rob's like, yes, this, 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 and this, this happened. This is who I am. This is what I am. Boom. Now what? Mic drop. Got Rem- nothing. Remember when you try to faux shame me? I drew this. I drew cap tits. <laughs> this is amazing. I remember I was driving home last year and I saw a seagull sitting on the side of the freeway and he had his chest puffed out like that and I got a quick picture of it. (laughs) Heck, remember the poster, uh, the picture you were standing next to a poster? I drew it on your chest as well. I'm like, but you know what? It's funny. You know what? And I'm excited to see Rob start to like kind of make a comeback here. It is like a legendary image too in its own right. I mean, not maybe for the right reasons, but it is infamous. Well, I appreciate Rob for doing this. Um, If there's one request, let's get that Kickstarter funded. Because, you know, if you want to protect your legacy and you really want to come back fully and be embraced by the comic book community until that gets taken care of, it's going to be a struggle. For a lot of people, it's a big deal. For me, it's like you built, you have your legacy now. Just keep it clean. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, just try not to like, put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> oh, man. Don't be bringing up feet in this conversation. Man. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Let's chat about a way the community can directly help support the show. 
We're talking about getting comic books directly from us. We have our comic book subscription service, The Mystery Mail Call. We package up five to seven comic books and send them to you every single month. And one of those books is an exclusive comic book. And this month's Comic Tom exclusive is courtesy of Mad Cave. And I'm pretty excited because we picked out an homage to All-Star Comics number eight for the new title, Show's End. Yeah, you know I love a good old Golden Age cover swipe here. You know, you got the, the cover swipe for the first appearance of Wonder Woman. Yeah, I felt pretty good because we needed something a little bit like mysterious and supernatural because this is about a carnival, kind of like a freak show type of thing. And I had mentioned it to you and you're like, oh, easy. All-Star Comics 8. I think that was the perfect cover for it because it was a team and it's just like you said, dark and moody. It's the first appearance of Wonder Woman, so it's so memorable. And it's just, it turned out really well. And our mystery mail call sold out last month. That's right, it did. So reserve your box. Link is in the bio. Join the community. Let's chat about my recent mail call that I got, okay? Because this is this was not planned. This all happened in the last couple days. So I put an order in for this. This right here is the entire series oh, of goodness. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right, I'm going through it because I had this idea. I want to go through Buffy and Angel at the same time. Because there's five seasons of Angel, and you have the full run of Buffy. Isn't it a sequel? No, no. They they actually were playing at the same time because Angel and a couple characters went off to do their own show. And then it was like, you know, this would happen, and then Buffy would happen. And they had some crossover events. And pretty soon, we have a crossover happening over at Boom Studios that we need to chat about right now. Hellmouth, issue number one. It's going to be like the first crossover between... Angel and Buffy, since Boom Studios got the license. That's right. And I'm super stoked about this. First off, if you're not reading Buffy right now, this is just a prime example of how you can put together a franchise that otherwise wouldn't be super popular. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is long over. And when Dark Horse took it over immediately after the season finale of the series, well, they continued it season after season. It was all canon. If you wanted to find out what happened to Buffy, well, you just had to read the comic book. And that went on year after year after year. But Boom got a hold of it. And rather than just continuing that canon, they've decided to revamp the title. It's all modern. And these characters, they look similar. They're still the same subject matter and supernatural. And it's still the same type of story. But it's different. The personalities are different. The characters are different. If you want to jump into Buffy, you're going to get a fresh take on a very respected series. And I cannot recommend it enough. This is a, one of the few titles that I'm reading alongside of Absolute Carnage and Hickman's House of X. And I have to also mention, because he's not on the list other than here, Donnie Cates had I something to say I about it. Say Donnie Cates, <laughs> the second you said... Okay, this is what happened. Someone tweeted at Donny Cates and said, yo, if there was no fallout, like you're not taking someone's job, because that's kind of the cop-out answer to the question of, if you can write any comic book, what would it be? And you know what? He didn't say Captain America. He didn't say Spawn. He didn't say Superman or Batman. He didn't say anything that would like boister his career even further. He said, whoever's writing Buffy. Cates is a Buffy fan. That feels like a good question to kick to the comments, too. Like, what what series would you like to see Donny Cates take over? Right? I, I, I would like to see him do Green Lantern, personally. Oh. I, think, I think that could be pretty cool, but I'm very biased. I want to see him take something that is just low-key, either under the radar, people aren't paying attention to, 
Like Guardians, dude. He, he brought Guardians up into a whole new level. Absolutely. I'm stoked about Buffy. Boom. Get on it. You know what time it is. Viewer comments. Brian Bennett. Jeff, I would agree that the vast majority of comics are for fun and not the highest level of reading. However, I would also say comics can also be highbrow literature. Comics like Gaiman's Sandman, A Contract with God, and the Pulitzer Prize winning Mouse come to mind. Heck yeah. I'm going to throw Watchmen in there personally too. But be for Vendetta. Watch. Anything yeah. Alan Moore's written. That too. Yeah, it's I just, can agree that there's definitely some highbrow reading. For sure. Absolutely. Sandman's like a regular recommendation to people who aren't into comic books. It's always, yeah, you should probably just pick up Sandman. All right. We got Bombastic Bagman. Once again, great video. Thank you. I appreciate the comparison from G-A-G, gag, (laughs) from Golden Age Guru between sports jerseys slash cosplay. That example made me think of rookie cards versus first appearance in comics, attending sporting events versus attending Comic-Con. Watching sporting events for two hours versus watching superhero movies for two hours. It's a good comparison. Yeah. Didn't even think about some of those things. I, I certainly didn't, but it's it's almost like one-to-one comparison. Like, there's pretty hardcore fandoms in the two communities. We're talking about es- escapism. Anything that, you know, brings you pleasure and, like, lets you check out a little bit and enjoy life in a way that, like, you know, puts out the other static, the other noise, and lets you just enjoy some time to yourself. I understand. Yeah, it's good old wholesome just being a fan of something. Yeah, everyone's into stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm notorious for hating on sports, too, and I'm, I'm working very hard to, to curb that impulse of mine. We appreciate the comments. Thank you so much. Peter Wolf. Wolf. Wolf with a, with a U. Tom grew up in the back of a comic book store. Child neglect. I like that one. That one was fun. We had some we had some fun in the comments there. All three of us, right? Didn't we? We all got back at him on that one. I yeah. like that you brought that one up. That's good. That one's worth talking about. Yeah, just to be fair, he wasn't like Oscar the Grouch in a trash can living back behind a dumpster. No, no. I've explained this in the past, but we have a lot of new followers and new subscribers. So I'll give you a quick little rundown. My dad managed the store with the store owner. So you had the comic book shop at the front, Flight in the Flight into Fantasy was the name of the shop. And then it was a store, and then on top of the store was an apartment. That's where the store owner lived. And then behind the store was another apartment. It's like a three-bedroom. And that's where I lived with my dad for like two years. So I would wake up on Saturday morning, play my PlayStation 1, Resident Evil. I don't know what my dad was thinking. And then if I was ever bored, I'd grab my magic cards, maybe my D&D profile pages, and i just walk through the kitchen door through some beads because my dad had beads. Yeah, he was oh, like, that's such a stereotype. Yeah, he, he I can totally see your dad having the beads. Oh, incense, you know, champa and all that. And I walk through and there's just tables and people there. Oh, Tom's here. Who wants to play magic? You know, that's what I did. What a life. That's what I did. What a magical life you led. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Thanks for the comment. Where's world? We need more CGC results videos. Love oh. the one where you guys each revealed the grades. Been too long. I think the last was when Jeff was disappointed with the showcase 36.5. Hope we get more. Thanks. Why don't we fix that right now? Boom. Easy as that. Jeff, you, you brought a box. I did bring a box. Oh, I man. just literally I just... picked this up on the way here. Yeah, so we delayed the show a half hour. Sorry, Ryan, because he's got to get back. He's probably tired right now. I'm always tired. It's okay. Okay, what do we got? What do oh, you... oh. There's so many flags I haven't in seen here. these yet. I haven't seen these, and I'm already excited. That's an ASM 14 right there. Oh, man, I'm going to hold one. Oh, you got a bunch of them. Okay, we got a... Oh, wow. Okay, let's, let's, let's bust through them. All right. We're Lightning round. These. Let's do it. Show oh, me, show goodness. me, show me. Oh, what are we, what are we showing? All right. We're going to just talk about some grade results and whatnot. Okay? Crown Comics, number seven, 6.5. Mm-hmm. Classic Matt Baker cover, 
cool book. It was raw. Bought it um, maybe about two months ago. Um, had it pegged around 6570. It has a front cover stain and some other stuff. Came back as expected. Presents beautifully. Okay. Really excited about that book. Matt Baker, man. He's the best. What do we got? Another Matt Baker. Okay, Fighting Marines. Unfortunately, I missed the color touch on this. It came back 8.5 with some slight color touch. Might have to have that removed, but it's a pretty book. Osa Matt Baker, Canteen Kate. Cool book. Next, Starling Comics number 53. Cool alien cover, 6.0. Uh, presents again really nice about what I expected just because it's got some funky things going on with it. Ah, uh, Blackhawk 20. Classic cover, bought the uh, an original owner collection of Blackhawks and modern comics. And this is one of the most sought-after covers. Came back in 8.0, which is a really high grade for that book. This is fun. Oh, God, Yeah, man. check that out. That is amazing. Hey, I recognize this comic. That's right. I'm used to seeing a bunch of Sharpie all over it, but uh, <laughs> this one does not have any Sharpie on it. Uh, this was not a love note or hate breakup copy this is a 7.0 yeah there's no sharpie there yeah i pressed it i could have pressed it better i rushed the submission i think it should it could go up to 7.5 that was an asm would be crazy. 14 yeah asm good, 14 there's was another asm 14 there yeah so this one was raw this was a a raw 5045 copy it had a detached top staple it had an extra set of staples given to during production Ooh. so it kind of caused issues i think of the staple to pop um, Mikey Comics on Instagram, Mikey Halperin. We were at the show here in uh, Chicago Wizard that just passed. And uh, he's like, hey, I can help you there. And I was already going to do it. I was going to reattach that cover because there was enough meat there that you can loosen up the staple. At the show, literally. This was detached? That was detached to the top oh, staple. Oh, snap. Loosens the staple. Well um, done, Mikey. Tucks the cover back in, pushes back the staple and cinches it. And boom. Boom. Fully attached cover again. 5.5. Five. Uh, what is that? What's the page quality? White pages. Nice. Boom. This. Oh, 2.5? Yeah. Damn, dude. I was there when he got this. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. Great comics number three. Ugh, absolute classic. Came back 2.5 just as expected. Structurally, it's a beautiful book, but a lot of cover loss because things just got scraped off. Maybe a tape pull or what? I literally have never seen so many dealers just like just look over a table so quickly and i never forget it she the lady who owned the golden age comics was like 15 of them she put them on the table and you literally went like you didn't even skip a beat man you went right for this book and grabbed it and it was in your hand and as as, as you're looking at it there was like five to ten dealers hovering around you just like is he gonna put it down is he gonna put it down is he gonna put it down golden ticket scenario like when he found the last golden ticket everyone it was to... it was just like that two uh, five dude that's yeah. crazy yeah Golden ticket. Uh, I just clicked in my head. Gold, it's good. Gold. gold, golden ticket. Get it. Oh, this. Oh, man. Giant, oh. Yeah, Giant Size X Men 1. That's okay. a money beat right there. This was a 6.5 PGX off white. Oh, okay. snap. Now it's an 8.0 white. I pressed it myself. This was actually raw when I got it with the label in the, in the back of the bag and board. And I think it was probably more of a 5.5 by the time I got it because it wasn't kept very well. But just defects you can take out. And it came out great. 8-0, white. I'm super stoked about it. Well done, man. This is a good mail call. Excited to see those. Are you putting those on your site? Yeah, some of these are definitely going to go on the site for sure. And uh, EliteComicSource.com. Check it out. Very good. All right. Let's now talk about Dr. Strange. Oh, man, guys. Here comes the alarm because we are going to spoil a character. We don't generally spoil too much. But man, it's sometimes when comics get us so excited, we got to bring it on the mic. I haven't been reading Doctor Strange. I'll be honest. I haven't read any of these issues. But now 
I'm about to put this to my poll list. Yeah, I just read the synopsis on this, and it's actually pretty cool. And we're going to touch on Doctor Strange number 19. What's going on? So in this book, Doctor Strange comes into a situation where he has to save the life of a child. But he cannot use magic to do it because of the situation is so grave that apparently his magic isn't going to work out. And he has to surgically operate on this child to save his life. Now, I remind you, he lost his ability to use his hands in that way. It's kind of what set him up to be Doctor Strange. Yeah, it was because of that tribulation in his life that he looked for another way and he found the magic. Right. So he astral projects to this special magical library where he finds a spell. All right. And like spells in the universe or comics or whatever, there's going to be a cost to using magic. So he literally has the risk of losing his hands completely. He almost does. Yeah. I mean, you see this image and we're going to show it here. And his hands are like, let's describe it for our audio listeners. They're like, there's a moment where his hands start to disappear and there's word bubbles of him going, no, no, no. Like in Back to the Future? Oh, yeah. Like his hand just disappears? Yeah, a little bit worse, though, because it's happening slower. Exactly, and there's no Biff in this one. And like, he realizes his hands do come back. Yeah, he gets them back. Right, and now he has the use of his hands, and he saves this child's life, all right? But like I mentioned earlier, there's a cost to using magic. So coming in December, there's going to be a new Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme. So we're going to now follow this story of Doctor Strange being a surgeon again and a magician and see what that cost is. I like this. I like that this is a superhero story, but it's kind of in reverse a little bit. Typically, it's about the responsibility given to a character and as they are uplifted to the superhero role. And now he is actually getting back the thing. It's like downgrading almost. He's yeah. like, so what do you do when you when you go back to how you were before you had powers? Yeah. And when we, we talked about this, we picked this as like a topic for discussion today. I wasn't that excited, I'm going to be honest. I thought we were talking about like one event that happens in one issue, but the fact that this leads into a whole, you know, whole new number 1, a whole new series, I'm probably going to jump on a number 1 here. I've I've kind of always wanted to read Doctor Strange, but it's so hard to crack into. Yeah, we read some Doctor Strange in our Infinity Gauntlet uh, read through. Yes. And those were some of the most difficult comics to get through. Dude, we had to prep for that so hard. Like, what do we talk about? Where do you even begin? Okay, first off, they go to Egypt now. <laughs> right? Time travel. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited for this. I'm adding this to my poll list. I mean, it's a new number one, and this is a good time to jump on if any of this interests you. James Gunn and J.J. Abrams. Uh, they're both looking like they're going to be very heavily involved in the DC cinematic universe moving forward. Game changer. Yes, J.J. Abrams has signed a $500 million deal with Warner Brothers for some sort of multimedia project that hasn't really officially been clarified. Technically, it could be some other Warner Brothers property, but it seems like it's probably going to be DC. We're talking video games, television, and the DC Cinematic Universe. This is huge. They know over at DC that they've been missing the mark over and over again. And now that J.J. Abrams is finishing up Star Wars, you know he's getting his hands into superheroes. Yeah, and this plus this whole thing with his son and the Spider-Man comic, it seems like he's kind of uh, he's kind of dipping his toes into into this whole into this whole universe. I would, I for one, would very much like to see what he can do with uh, with DC because he did he did help create Lost. You know. <laughs> Always with the freaking Dharma Initiative. Sorry, man. I can't I can't hate on the <laughs> on the Liefeld and the Donny Kate stuff without he, without mentioning Lost. You also. wanna know what else he did? He mm-hmm. did fringe. 
He did do Fringe. Fringe is awesome, man. That show was pretty cool. I got to finish that. But what I'm excited about is what the rumor is, is that James Gunn is involved as well. And it sounds like James Gunn is going to be kind of man in the villain aspect of all of this. As he should be. Oh, yes. He's doing the Suicide Squad stuff. The Brightburn was really cool earlier this year. That was kind of influenced. You know, he had a he had a hand in that. Right. I'd be very interested to see like what what his what his kind of flavor would look like on the uh, on the darker side of, of the DC universe because I imagine JJ would be doing the more high profile like Superman Justice League kind of stuff. Nowhere but up after Steppenwolf. Say that much. Well, you know, you mentioned Steppenwolf, but really, how many other characters can we bring up in this conversation? Comic book collectors have all but thrown out so many specs of DC villains and heroes. And that's just all going to come right back in. Right now, this is like an all-time low. When was the last time you've heard people specking on Doomsday? Let's talk about Bane. Let's talk about Killer Croc. Suicide Squad, we thought that was done. That was, that was finished. How could they do anything after that movie? But now, James Gunn got, has his name next to that title, and everyone's like, oh, okay, here's my money. So right. let's keep an eye out on DC Comics. And you should be specking on DC villains right now because it's going to be at an all-time low for quite some time. People are resetting themselves. And we're kind of getting this blank slate feel, and people are trying to push away what they saw and open to this new concept and visuals of characters by somebody else. Absolutely. It's cool that they're keeping what works. They're keeping Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. They're keeping Jason Momoa as Aquaman. He got out of the elevator, so they're going to keep him. Yes. He's safe. Thank God. He survived. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that they're keeping what works, and they're, they're, uh, they're scrapping what didn't work. I'm also excited about J.J. Abrams because you kind of alluded to it and we're going to wind out our show. But keep in mind, the show doesn't end here. It's going to continue on our audio platforms. We're talking about the Guru's Batman collection. We also have some news about Marvel Plus, but stuff that is not being talked about. Everyone's focused on the new shows. We have some more spec talk to discuss and we'll see you in the after show. But man, I am so stoked about this Spider-Man comic that J.J. Abrams is putting out, and I wasn't going to pick it up until now. I'm kicking myself for skipping this one. I can't believe I didn't put it on my poll list. They announced it, you know, a few months ago, and it's Spider-Man number one. And my first thought was like, oh, pass. <laughs> like, yeah, what's going on with this book? This book is about, well, should we spoil it? It's, it's been out for a few days now. Yeah, it's been out, and who is involved? This book was solicited as a, like, a Mary Jane Spider-Man comic. And now... It turns out that it's not the Spider-Man that we are familiar with. It's not Peter Parker. It's not, you know, anything that takes place right now in the current Marvel Universe. This is a future storyline about their son, about Mary Jane and Peter Parker's son, Benji. That's right. Benji Parker. And he first appeared in Spider-Girl issue number 59. And this is another reason why you need to have the Key Collector app and have the full version because the spec deck is available for all of us to use. And this was the first notification that went out. I mean, Bleeding Cool picked it up after the Key Collector notification went out. This book, first appearance of Benji Parker, went from like 30 to 40 bucks it's pushing to over 80 right now. That implies that maybe this book is going to have some legs, that maybe this character might actually, you know, accomplish some cool stuff in the future. I'm 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 really like I said, I'm kicking myself for skipping this one. I'm going to I'm going to try to hunt it down, but I like that it's a new Peter Parker. Yeah, it's something new and fresh because again, there's there's like already three or four different Spider-Man titles on the market right now and I I can only handle one, really, honestly, at the time. So, this looks like a good 
it's different enough where I don't feel bad for double dipping on Spider-Man. If that they, makes sense. They straight up were like keeping this reveal out of the public eye for months. No one knew that this was going to be the lead. I like this surprise. It's getting people to go to the LCS, their their LCS, and dang, it's got me hunting for this book. We just discussed a fresh take on Doctor Strange, so I, I'm on board for a fresh take on Spider-Man. You have Benji Parker, the product of Mary Jane and Peter Parker. I mean, I don't know how you can really go wrong or at least you know, take a chance at it and see what, what develops. I'm also kind of excited to see if, if J.J.'s son is as cool of a storyteller as his dad is. That's that's an exciting aspect of this storyline, too, that I'm kind of overlooking personally. Hey, Joe Hill did it. Right? Exactly. Right. Let's do it again. All right. And we also want to know from the community, let us know in the comment section what you think about this show, what you thought about these subjects. And we have a giveaway today. I want to remind you, you can enter to win this courtesy of Torpedo Comics. I'm going to throw a Mill Geek exclusive of Walking to Number One in the mix here. Comment down below, like, and subscribe. We have some giveaways. Who won the Wonder Woman print by John Boy? Arrobello. Thank you, Arrobello. And then we also have an Avengers 66, the first appearance of Adamantium. I threw in a reprint on the back, and we're also going to send you the official Avengers index. So you can look it up and get well-versed in all things Avengers. Oh, wait, there's more. Oh, who, who's winning that? <laughs> That's going to Nate Dog. Ooh, Nate Dog. We had Jay-Z comment last week. Now we have Nate Dog commenting. This is random. There you go. This random is totally, stuff. totally random. R.I.P. Nate Dog. Love me some Nate Dog. Oh, and then we have Tank Girl. Can't forget Tank Girl. It's going to Mike Hignut. Thank you, comic fan. We do appreciate your time today. As always, stick around for our after show. And always geek responsibly. We will see you next Sunday. Enough said. After show. Thank you so much, comic fam. This is the part of the show where I am so excited to get to. This is cameras off, voice only. What you don't know is that there's a garbage truck that is making so much noise, and we had to just stop every couple seconds. But you know what? We're going to keep on going because we're super excited about Marvel+. Plus, But not because there's all these new shows. Like, guys, how often are we talking about these new shows? A lot. Everyone's <laughs> specking on these new shows. We got Moon Knight. We got Devil Dinosaur. She-Hulk. She-Hulk. I'm super stoked about. But something that's gone completely under the radar until this past week and that has just been tweeted by Disney Plus, their Disney Plus updates Twitter profile. They're saying that they're going to be bringing the cartoons, the portfolio of cartoons that we all grew up on to Disney Plus. And I think this is something very important that we need to discuss. Yeah, I love the fact that we're getting an instant library of all these cartoons that we grew up with. And not just me, not just you, but generationally speaking, I mean, we're going to have stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and on and on. In my head, when I hear Marvel cartoons, I think of the 90s Spider-Man. I think of the 90s X-Men. And we're getting both of those. We're getting both of those. But you're also getting like Fantastic Four. There's Silver Surfer. There's an Incredible Hulk series. There's a 90s Iron Man series. There's like several different Spider-Man cartoons. I want to talk about like how these related to us as, as kids, like how these impacted us in our, in our youth. But I also want to discuss about how this is going to be impacting the comic book community because low-key, it's going under the radar. No one's thinking about how the 90s X-Men run is going to impact comics. And I just wanted to share my story about how I was introduced to Gambit. I wasn't introduced to Gambit because of the X-Men comics. I was introduced to Gambit because of the cartoon. He became my favorite X-Men character all throughout my adolescence. 
when I watched this show. I used to have the playing cards. I used to run around. I'd set up like the couch cushions. I'd stack them up, kick them down. You know, I have a ruler, pretend that that was my, my staff and I'd throw playing cards around. Like I became a diehard Gambit fan because of this show. And that's what these cartoons are going to offer the community. We have a ton of kids getting into characters that we're likely not going to see on the screen for quite some time. That's true. I think that cartoon made me a Cyclops fan. That's like the best portrayal of Cyclops they've ever had, and that doesn't make him look like a little punk. Oh, absolutely, man. It's like one of my biggest frustrations with the X-Men movies is that they made him look like this just crappy character. He's got to be the dork to Wolverine's cool dude who always gets the chick. Dude, he is the leader of the X-Men. No, man, Wolverine, man, he's the cool one. Everyone loves Wolverine. we got to make him the front and center character. Dude, if Wolverine led the X-Men, they would have all been killed long before he kills them in the future. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's okay. That's old news. I mean, I I remember the intro of this X-Men 92. I mean, it's instantly, it's a great, like, track of music. And the way all the X-Men are jumping and coming into scene, I mean, it just, it gets you right away. That's one of, like, the most powerful opening credit sequences of, like, all time. Like, any, any TV show. I remember, for me, it was growing up with Spider-Man and his amazing friends, okay? And that was what Stan Lee's voice yeah, over. Yeah, that's and, right. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, like, his voice on screen. I didn't even know who he was, but that instilled in me his voice and who he was. As I got older, I got to appreciate that more. But that intro is fantastic. For me, it's fantastic because I just remember with Iceman and and uh, uh, Firestar and Spider-Man, they're all just swinging in and this big demon that he frees. I mean, and then and then Spider-Man comes flying in and like shatters this ice demon or this fire demon that Iceman just froze. I mean, it was just such a cool, cool experience as a kid growing up watching. All these kids are going to be listening to Stan Lee talk again. It's going to be dope. It's kind of like how in the Silver Age, you know, Stan Lee was all over, you know, in the back pages and talking to you in the comic books. And now he's talking to you in the, in the cartoon. That's right. It's very, cool. very appropriate. I'm excited. And these aren't the only ones that are hitting the screen. I mean, there's another tweet that they put out there that, again, has gone under the radar, but they have a lineup here. Take a look at this. It says, uh, <laughs> Disney Plus posted, nobody is saying anything. Us, we're saying our ideal afternoon schedule is 3 p.m. DuckTales, 3.30 p.m. Chippendales Rescue Rangers, 4 p.m. Tailspin, 4.30 Darkwing Duck. I loved this block of cartoons growing up. Like, that was the block. You had DuckTales, you had Chippendale and Rescue Rangers, you had Baloo and Kit. Kit the Cloud Kicker, he used to surf on clouds. <laughs> he held a rope behind him, and he would surf on clouds. It was the coolest thing. And Darkwing Duck is just awesome as well. I mean, that was a, a great block of cartoons growing up. I'm excited, man. And this is something that you can't quantify. You really can't. You, you can't tell the impact that this is going to have on generations to come. And I think it's important to point that out. The, the Disney princess cartoons are getting a lot more publicity than any of this stuff is. Like, it's, it's weird to think about that. Like you said, the future impact this is going to have on, on, on the youths. Like, they're going to they're gonna have this as an option because they're all going to beg their parents to get Disney+. Plus. And now they're going to have all of this backlog content just there for them to, to get the right, the right kind of uh, material for their childhood. I'm very, I'm very ecstatic. I wonder what other Gambit fans are going to be born out of these 90s cartoons. Like, again, uh, it's exciting times. It's exciting times. Um, Jeff, you have to share the story about Batman 1. This is true. It is nuts. And I'm stoked that you're willing to share it. 
Yeah, I mean, this is, again, this is his 80th anniversary, so I don't generally talk about some books I have, but I'll talk about this Batman one. So in 2015, I had a partnership with a friend of mine in uh, Cloud9 Comics, and I bought a copy of Batman 1. And I, the, when I looked at it, it's one of those moments where I just knew. I was like, there's no way this book is not going to shoot up in value, and here's my only opportunity right now to buy this. It was not cheap, okay? It, was, it wasn't cheap. But I told the guys I was buying it. I was like, man, I'm buying this, but I'm going to tell you in about a year, year and a half, this book's going to double or even triple. All right? I told him. And he's just like, well, maybe I shouldn't sell it to you. He's like, yeah, maybe not, but I'll, I'm buying it now. You were honest. I was honest with him. And sure enough, in nine months, it tripled. How did it triple? How did it triple? I mean, like, I watched every major grail go up in value. I mean, you had Action 1 go up. You had... Um, more fun comics 73 i mean you had all these major major keys going up and superman won and i was like how is batman won okay first appearance of joker first appearance of catwoman okay batman in his own title okay like how does that not shoot up and it just stayed stagnant and so in that year i bought this copy for myself and then we acquired two other copies as a team together okay and in two thousand three batman ones three batman ones in that year all right. And we pushed the market so hard on that book that we were the ones setting the numbers and pushing it. And we were selling them to um, auction houses who were then pushing it. We saw the growth in the market. And we had, like I said, three that year. And I'm telling you, man, we helped spike that book. And then since then, it's just been going through the roof. That's crazy. And there's so much risk involved with something like that. Like you, you were confident. But what happens if there's a recession during that time? What happens if there's a mass fallout during that time? Like, who knows? Like, it, comics do fluctuate, but man, when you get it right, though, the payoff is huge. Yeah, the payoff is huge, and um, there's a lot of risk. You're right because you you have to know the book, you have to know where it came from, you have to be able to de- detect if there's any issues such as missing pages, Ooh, was restorations. It, was it raw? They were all raw. Oh wow! The one I bought was graded. Okay, yeah. The one I bought for myself for you, was graded. Yeah. The other two were one of them was graded by actually another third party company. But we had to take that out and regrade it. And you just never know when you do that. My goodness. That must have been so, so stressful. It was stressful getting that book back. Um, it really, there, one particular book went through a lot of hoops, but eventually it came back the way it was supposed to come as we expected it. Okay. I don't want to get into too many details because it involves third parties and conversations sure. and whatever. But that worked out. You hear out. this comic fan? You're getting some insight here. I just want to like reiterate, thank you for joining us on the after show because this is where like the really big news comes out. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, like when, you, when we're talking on that high end, there's, there's a lot of stress to it. You have to put a lot out to get either little in or hopefully a lot in. But you always have to be very weary. There's always that horror story. Where even though you think you might know everything, you're going to miss stuff occasionally. So you have to really know where that book came from and trust the source. That's a huge part of it. Okay, if you know that this was originally found and this person himself had it graded, then you can generally find out or have a feeling that this book is legitimate and there's nothing wrong with it, okay? But you don't always know the backstory. It's been passed around a few times. Some family member had another family member or I bought it from a comic dealer in 1978, okay? And back in the day, they used to color touch comics. It was okay. It was not what it is now, Right. All right? It made the book look better. It, it wasn't as uh, frowned upon as it is these days. Is there any, like fallback plan for the those types of deals like when you're dealing with like that much money or is it when you when that money trades hands you're kissing that goodbye just depends who you're buying it from if you're buying it from a legitimate dealer who's selling it raw and you he can then like 
you trust him enough to where he will stand by his word, mm-hmm. and there are those dealers, there are also a lot that are not, then you got to be, you got to kind of pick and choose your risk. You're buying it from some Joe Schmo online who you don't know. Um, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be careful. I mean, once that money leaves, especially when you do a friends and family payment on oh, PayPal. Oh my goodness, that feels like an in-person transaction. You don't want to be doing that kind of stuff online. I would think no. you want to, you want to see, look them in the eye when you make that transaction. No, a lot of big deals are going to be in person. Sure. You know, I've flown around this country making big deals in person because you just don't want to deal with the, you know, you want this thing in your hands and you want to count these pages because that person's going to tell you, oh yeah, that's near mint. No, no, no. It's not. I'll be the judge of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, everything's... Oh, no, no, that's not married. Uh, or the book's complete. I remember that. Cap One, I just mentioned that last week. Right. I almost bought a Cap One, but it's like I had to fly and see it because it was a lot of money. You know, and sure enough, the centerfold is married. The guy wouldn't believe me. I had to send it into CGC. I was like, I will send this into CGC. I will pay for it, okay? If it comes back unmarried, I will buy the book. If it does, I'm not buying it, okay? And sure enough, they verified it's married. I mean, it was obvious, Okay, wow. he, the guy couldn't didn't believe me, and he didn't want to budge on his price. He's like, "That's what I want for it. Don't even care." Can I ask? And what I did married not buy means? it. What's married? Oh, married is when you take a piece from one book and you take it and put it into another book to complete it. But it's from the same book. So uh, this cap one had a centerfold from another cap one. It wasn't from the original gotcha. one. You can tell because the staples will not generally align mm. with that copy versus another. So the staple alignment for the centerfold was off in comparison to the original book. So when you slide it in, you can tell, oh, the staple strike on the cover is here, but the staple strike on the centerfold is different. So that's a one way to tell. All right, and that's generally how you would do it. Or page quality might be different on the centerfold. Let's say you have a light tan centerfold, yet the pages on the book are off-white. Like, you're not going to... They are not the same book, right? They came from different places. So there's little things you tell to learn on how to tell if a cover is married, centerfold trim not trim so there's a lot 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 to it guys but that was a great year 2015 i <laughs> wish we never sold any of the batman ones but we did because we had to because it's expensive to get in and uh that was um a cool time man i gotta tell you watching like your gut instinct actually like come true pay off man yeah and i i kept that batman one there's, that's like that's like a grail book for me are you guys gonna keep it yeah i'm, I'm always gonna keep it i mean you know, I'll hand it down to the kiddos one day. Unless I need to sell unless something else comes up. You know, hey, Tech 27. Like, yeah. if I have to sell something <laughs> to get to, you know. It's and even Tech girl. 27 isn't like a big grail book for me. Like, it's a cool book. And it's more rare than Action Comics 1. You know, it's a harder book to get for a lot of people. Granted, the value isn't as high as Action 1. But I think it, it feels like it's catching up. Not to say that it ever will surpass. But it is a harder book. But, like, for me, you know, Cap 1, Marvel Comics 1. I said this last week. All-American Comics 16. Those are like the big grails for me, and I'll be excited to get those one day. Hopefully just find it because to pony up for those books now, it's just, oh, my God. I appreciate you sharing that story, man. It's good stuff. And if Comic Fam, if you appreciate this kind of conversation, whatever platform you're on, I think you can do it on Stitcher and iTunes. Um, I believe SoundCloud and Spotify don't even have a rating system. But whatever platform you're on and you do have a rating system, please provide us with a rating. It does so much for the show. We'd really appreciate it. Don't forget to you always. You can always go back to the YouTube video and leave a comment there if you if you really want to let us know about something from the the audio portion. Because I'm I'm kind of blown away. I just sat here and listened to that whole story and offered zero input, and I'm I'm still like shaking in my boots. That's that's a that's a very terrifying level of of uh, being in this game right. that I I don't want to be in quite yet. <laughs> I'm not I'm not anywhere near that level. Yeah, you should not jump into that level. 
I tell people all the time, if you're just getting into golden age, it's very, very important. You trust somebody to give you the guidance because it's, it's hard to jump in with both feet on that without some knowledge and some guidance because it's very easily, very easy to overpay for stuff. Yeah. Get burned and just get burned. Right. Yeah. Thanks comic fam. We do appreciate your time. We'll see you next Sunday.